Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshot.net. The Patronage and Pluralism Forum, 10 Years On, Part 3. On the 10th of April 2012, the Forum for Patronage and Pluralism was published. And in it, there were several recommendations to ensure greater diversity in primary schools. In the first two parts of this episode, I went through a bit of a history of the Irish education system to find out why we were where we were in 2012. And I also then moved on in part two to talk about why it fell at the first hurdle and why choice when it comes to primary schools is not a good thing. In this part, I'm going to move on uh, to a little bit more about um, the, uh, this uh, forum on patronage and pluralism and why 10 years on so few schools have divested from the Catholic Church. Hello, hello, you are welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshaw.net. This is Simon Lewis speaking. Now, as I said there in the introduction, in the last part of this episode, I talked about the idea of choice and how choice is not something that's desirable and actually how it is a privilege. And I made the point that the concept of choice is not only a privilege, but I believe that not only is it a misnomer, it's being used to continue the systematic institutionalized racism that exists in our education system, where the white knights in shining armor give the poor ethnic minorities a school if they would simply just be more patient. Ten years after the Forum of Patronage and Pluralism was published, depending on what statistics you'd be inclined to believe, fewer than 20 schools have been divested away from Catholic control Divestment has been a buzzword for the last 10 years, which stemmed from this forum, where schools would transfer their ownership, following Rory Quinn's second request to the forum to explore. And this is what we are going to look at in this third part of this series, commemorating, celebrating, marking, I don't know what the right word is, the 10-year anniversary of the publication of possibly what should have been the most important uh, document published in, the, in Irish education history. Here's what it said. The forum was supposed to examine the practicalities of how transfer or divesting of patronage should operate for individual primary schools in communities where it is appropriate and necessary. Interesting last few words, but let's get into it. And before I tear into it, I suppose, I think it might be a good idea to maybe look at the rationale that the authors listed for this question, because they're actually interesting. I promised I wasn't going to quote a lot from this 170 plus page document, but I'm going to make an exception here because I want you, I want really, and I, I kind of, uh, I suppose, refer to this in the previous part of this, where I felt the peep, the authors here were a little bit out of touch and a little bit biased, blindly biased. Maybe, I don't know, I mean, I, 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 what do you call it? Is it invisible bias or um, unconscious bias maybe is probably fair. I just want to get you a flavor of the mindset around the rationale for divestment of schools. So just remembering that this is 10 years ago, this is before marriage equality, this is before abortion rights for women, This, but still in a world where the power of the Catholic Church was waning um, and waning fairly rapidly, 
And uh, certainly not that long ago, 10 years ago is well within everyone, uh, everyone listening to this podcast's lifetime, and you would have thought it would be a modern era. So here are the points. Okay. The population of Ireland is less homogenous than it used to be and is more diverse in its culture and belief systems. That's point number one. And some of you might go, well, duh. Well, we knew that, and it has been for quite some time, and not in 2012. Really, uh, there's always been, um, uh, I suppose, a small but certainly significant uh, minority uh, population in Ireland. Um, you know, it may have been around 5%, 5 to 6%, really uh, as early as the 1800s, um, and, and certainly rose and rose throughout the years. So 2012, it was roughly about... 20, 20, 25%, I would say. So significant enough. Contemporary parents are more confident and vocal in seeking their educational rights than former generations. Now, this is a very odd thing to say, I think, in my opinion. Now, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt because it's probably true. Like my grandparents, for example, would never have kicked up a fuss when my mum went to a Church of Ireland school, even though she was Jewish. Nowadays, parents rightly don't want their children indoctrinated in a religion they don't believe in themselves. And they are able to say it. Maybe two generations ago, one generation ago, or maybe when you're a new migrant to a country, you don't want to kick up a fuss. But they're calling them contemporary parents who are more confident. It's almost like a little slight. Although maybe it isn't. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Let's move on. There is a constitutional and legislative underpinning of rights and responsibilities regarding the provision of schooling. Now, I, I'm not really sure of the relevancy of this point. What are they saying uh, with that point? Let's, we'll figure it out. There is a need for a greater diversity of school type to meet the needs and rights of citizens in a more pluralist society. Now, I think I bored you enough on this point in the last uh, part of this episode, but there's that idea of choice again. Choice is, is, is important. And as, as you know, if you've listened to the last part, I would totally disagree with that. Denominational schools will, conti will continue to be the preference of many parents. And ditto, again, just because it's a preference doesn't mean it should happen. I would love to be able to eat pizza every day for my dinner, but the consequence of that is I probably die from obesity. So, I mean, you know, there's lots of things we want in the world. But it's, if they're not right, and if they are not for the benefit of, of society, then they just shouldn't happen. And just saying it's a preference doesn't mean it should happen. When new schools are being planned for areas of rising population, the Catholic Church did not apply, in some instances, to be considered as patrons, so as to facilitate diversity. Now, to me, this is a very odd point. Why would they say it? It sounds like they're thanking the Catholic Church, for some reason, for not applying for the patronship. Uh, of schools, I mean, or patronage of schools. I, I, why would you say this? Why would they? I mean, I wouldn't be thanking them. They should be giving them back. This is the thing. That's the point of this. It's not that they shouldn't be applying for new schools. It should, it, they should be basically giving away all, all of their schools away and, and effectively allowing a, 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 an equality-based education to happen in schools. I don't know why they're thanking them, but again, it gets the mindset in here. Um, Anyway, there's been a successful, if limited, tradition of transfer and divesting of patronage from denominations to allow for new forms of patronage, such as Educate Together and Forest Nepetrunache, uh, over recent decades. This is another odd statement, because I've never heard of this happening before 2012, and the document gives no examples of any such 
happenings. I mean, I think maybe with Educate UK they might be referring slightly, um, and I don't know if this happened before or after 2012, uh, the school in Basin Lane, uh, which became Portobello Educate Together, or Dublin 8 Educate Together, Canal Way Educate Together. Maybe. I'm not really sure about Forest and Petrunica, uh, but that's not a successful tradition. Um, that's one. You know, that's madness. Ireland is a party Sorry, Ireland is a party to a range, I think it must be Ireland is party to a range of international laws and conventions which also impinge on Ireland's responsibilities for educational provision. Now, it's a bit flippant to say that here as if it's a minor inconvenience, but it sounds like it's being sold as a minor inconvenience. And then it goes to the rights of individual parents have to be balanced against the common good. That's the final point. And finally, we actually get to the only point that matters in this entire argument. We get to the point where we need schools that do not exclude anyone. Yes, it's nice to have a school that celebrates and promotes your religion, but if it's the only school available, even if it isn't the only school available, then clearly, <coughs> in the common good, it isn't right. The common good is that no one, no one at all is excluded in a state provided education system. And this really, to me, is the only point that matters. The rights of individual parents have to be balanced against the common good. And the common good is that no one is excluded. Now, ultimately, the forum recommended that schools would need to be divested away from the Catholic Church. And to be fair to the forum, they were fairly straight about what they recommended in terms of divestment. And here's exactly what they recommended in 2012. Here I'm quoting. The advisory group recommends that, for phase one, work would be undertaken in 43 towns in four Dublin areas. This would involve 18 dioceses and a scrutiny of approximately 250 schools, out of which approximately 50 may be divested. Right? However, <laughs> reading a little further down the page, you can almost sense the defeatism in their voices. Here's what they continue with. The advisory group realises there will be a significant amount of work involved. I, I don't know why there should have been, but anyway, let's keep going. Even if this process resulted in one school being transferred in each of the areas selected, it would amount to less than 50 schools or 1.6% out of a total of 3,169 primary schools. But it is a meaningful start. Now, even if you aren't by now holding your head in your hands at this, and even if that sentence, it's a meaningful start, didn't feel like a punch to the gut, unfortunately, it got worse. Sadly, even the idea of 50 schools being divested was to be too optimistic. In the 10 years since, less than 20 schools have been divested from Catholic patronage to multi-denominational patronage. Some would argue that it's less than five and they're people like me, and others would include some of the recent acquisitions by the community national schools, or the annexation, as it might be more accurately called. But in the strictest sense of things, a tiny number of primary schools were actually divested. And looking at the list of the areas mentioned as desperately needing a multi-denominational option in 2012, it's depressing to see how many of them still do not have that option available to them 10 years later. There are currently four counties, four counties in Ireland without a single multi-denominational option and 12 counties, 
12 counties, at nearly half, 12 counties with only one option. One option. Yes, this is what they call choice in Ireland. And some of you might be wondering, what does divestment actually mean? Now, I'm going to go through the process uh, probably in a, in a couple of parts' time of this episode. But for now, for just for simplicity reasons, let's just say it's a scheme where in areas where there are no options of multi-denominational schools, that the community would come together to ensure that this would happen. So, you had the likes of very tiny schools like Newtown White divesting to become Ballina Educate Together, but... There were very few examples of this, and Ballina Educate Together, actually, because it's not even in Ballina, is now called Newtown White Educate Together, and it's actually, I think Educate Together is only rural, really rural school, um, which is kind of interesting. But um, I don't know. That's uh, That was one example of a divestment where the community came together to divest from its patron body to a, new pa- to a new patron body, a multi-denominational provider, and that's where Newtown White Educate Together came from. However, up the road in Castlebar, which was another area identified by the forum, where there was a complete monopoly of religious schools, not one of them budged an inch to divest to a different patron. Castlebar Educate Together only happened in 2016 after what Educate Together called themselves in their press release a long and rocky road, tinged with, ironically for one of Connacht's biggest towns, Cromwellian undertones. That's me speaking, not Educate Together. I am comparing this to Oliver Cromwell, which I'll explain in a second. The Educate Together press release sums the situation up politely because Educate Together are much more polite than I am. As a divestment area, Educate Together was promised a building in which to open a school. However, the accommodation offered was unsuitable and rejected by parents and Educate Together. Further controversy erupted this year when objections were made to the school moving to a more suitable location in Marsh House in the town centre. So, Why did Castlebar Educate Together not open in 2015 when it was supposed to? Well, despite Castlebar town centres having eight Catholic schools, the building, I think it's eight, maybe 11 Catholic schools, the building that the Catholic Church were willing to hand over was a school called Burren National School. Now, you're probably going to have to look very hard to find Burren National School in Castlebar because Burren National School is 8.2 kilometres from Castlebar. Even Ryanair would struggle to call the area Castlebar. And when I say Burren National School is 8.2 kilometres from Castlebar, I really should have said was 8.2 kilometres from Castlebar because Burren National School hadn't been open for over 30 years and the building basically resembled an abandoned cowshed. And I don't mean that dramatically. Um, in fact, what I'll do is I will share with you on the in the comments section, like on the description of this podcast, a picture of what the government and what the Catholic Church were willing to hand over to become Castlebar Educate Together. Now, while Ballina Educate Together National School is also not in Ballina, it's uh, now called Newtown White, as I said, and it's over 10 kilometres from the town, I guess everyone at that time just wanted County Mayo to have one Educate Together school. For such a big county, not to have a single one was unfathomable. And the school was ready and willing and able to hand over to Educate Together in what some would argue, as I said, is the only truly divested school in Ireland. In fairness, it's no longer, as I said, called Ballina Educate Together, given that it isn't 
in Ballina. And as I said, it's one of Educate Together's few very rural primary schools. It could be the only one. However, a school in complete disrepair in the middle of nowhere on a tiny country road almost 10 kilometres from Castlebar simply wasn't good enough. Honestly, just use Google Maps to search directions from Castlebar to Burren National School and you'll see why. But that didn't stop the Minister for Education, Jan O'Sullivan, at the time thinking it was good enough. Because by 2016, the Labour Party had lost all of its morals and she was incredulous that Educate Together wouldn't accept the hovel in the middle of nowhere. Honestly, look back on reports of Jan O'Sullivan's comments in 2016 after they refused to open in Castle Bar in 2015. It's amazing. The the ignorance that I mean, for someone who I really I actually quite liked as a as a as a um, as a, as, a, as a politician, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of time for it. I was really, really surprised by how low how low the Labour Party had gone by 2016. I often talk about that fateful night when they basically refused to, um, uh, when I stopped supporting Labour uh, in December 2015, when Aidan O'Riordan talked down the clock, so he wasn't, so there was, and then voted against um, equality legislation for uh, uh, um, for teachers of religious minorities um, basically not being able to be disciplined because of an accident of birth. But this continued into situations like this where they were happy enough for Educate Together to be thrown into some abandoned shed as a, as a, as a school and it was good enough possibly just to tick a box that the Labour Party extended Educate Together or something. Awful, awful stuff. As Cromwell himself might have said, to hell or to burn national school. Yes, rather than do the right thing and ensure that Castlebar itself would be a place for a multi-denominational option, those heathen peasants could trundle off down the bog roads to a dank old tiny building in the middle of nowhere if they wanted their human rights to be respected. Luckily for Castlebar Educate Together, the Taoiseach at the time was from Castlebar. Enda Kenny, and I have no doubt that this embarrassing fiasco needed to be resolved very quickly to avoid the humiliation that even the Taoiseach couldn't stand up uh, to the Catholic Church. Despite finding a site in the town eventually, the controversy wasn't over. The independent Mayo County Councillor Frank Durkin lodged an appeal to onboard Planala about the school being in Castlebar, claiming the tired and trusted old tropes that educate together is an elitist organisation and a drain on taxpayers' money, a minority group that should not be given preferential treatment. I'm not going to try my Mayo accent, even though I can do one. Um, he said there was plenty of room in existing schools to accommodate all children. Some of you listening to this probably agree, and all I can say to that is I'm absolutely not surprised. At least once a month, somebody tells me that Educate Together is a very middle-class organisation, isn't it, Simon? It's very middle-class. You know, they, they don't worry that one in four Educate Together schools are dash schools, by the way, but, you know, eh, details. And, and at least a few times a year, I'm told that the town, that any town, and our town, has no need for an Educate Together school. Sure, there's plenty of places in the local schools. And I love how they always say local schools, implying that Educate Together doesn't cater for locals. In fact, now that I come to think of it, I hear this more than a few times a year, and how they use the phrase local schools when they actually mean Catholic-controlled schools. In some ways, one could read this as being embarrassed by the fact 
fact that they are controlled by the Catholic Church, but I don't think there's the slightest bit of embarrassment there. To me, saying local schools implies other school uh, implies other schools are for the outsiders, the foreigners. It is tinged. It's more than tinged. It's coloured with xenophobia and that potentially that systematic institutionalised racism that keeps coming up time and time again when we talk about the Irish education system. Anyway, back to Castlebar and that Frank Durkin chap. You would think everyone would have laughed in his face and called him an idiot and other stronger words that I would like to call him. But despite the fact that permission was granted, the Department of Education decided they'd join in with the madness. In 2018, they decided that they would restrict the enrolments for five Educate Together schools to only be allowed to be half-stream schools, thus stifling their growth, according to an unlikely hero, Lisa Chambers, a Fianna Foyle TD. Anyway, finally, the Department of Education reversed their limit on allowing Educate Together to grow and allowing them to have equal, uh, an equal opportunity to have students uh, having an equality-based education instead of one forced by dogma. Anyway, now, if you're from Dublin, by the way, I just want to stop now about criticising them. <laughs> Those funny people in the West. If you're from Dublin like me and you've spent the last few minutes eye-rolling at those culties in the West, well, hold your wish, as they might say over there, because Dublin has nothing to be smug about. Just ask, just ask the people of Malahide, where in 2019, one of the eight Catholic schools was asked to divest to a multi-denominational provider of education. Well, if you were laughing at my friend Frank Durkin and Mayo, wait for this. The families of Oliver Plunkett National School, one of the most diversely populated primary schools in the country, by the way, were told that divesting from a Catholic patronage would be a Brexit-type disaster. Yes, you heard that right. A few years on, you might have forgotten what a disaster Brexit was to be for the UK. So the language was, while very, very Irish times of it, very deliberate. Brexit was seen as an embarrassing error of the normal everyday people listening to those elitist powers who lied to them, saying that Britain would be better off not being under the tyranny of the European Union. Let me labour this point a little more. The normal people of St Oliver Plunkett's National School were being duped by the Durkin-esque language of the elitists in Educate Together who were making promises that a better world would occur if there was a warm, cosy embrace and safety of the Catholic Church. And the fallout was astounding and paved the way for the collapse of the divestment programme. In the next part of this podcast episode, we'll examine the fallout from Malahide and how it paved the way for the collapse of the divestment programme as we look to the final point in the form of patronage and pluralism, which is all about the practicalities of the divestment process and ultimately how it failed. So there we have it. That is uh, the end of this part where we explore divestment, uh, why it didn't work, uh, we looked at some of the points of the forum and patronage pluralism, and we looked at uh, one school, possibly the only school that truly divested its uh, patronage, 
Um, and we also looked at the saga of Castle Bar and we introduced uh, the uh, next uh, area in the country which was marked for divestment and why that didn't happen either. That's in Malahide and I'll be going through that in our next part and maybe explore some of the reasons why there is a reluctance to move to educate together um, as, a, as opposed to other patron bodies and stay within the confines of the Catholic Church. If you've enjoyed this episode, uh, I'd love it if you wouldn't mind subscribing uh, to the podcast as it helps people find it more easily and please feel free to leave a review and um, because again it helps other people find the podcast and um, which is pretty much what i would like to happen uh, this uh, podcast is not a commercial interest and um, so i don't make anything out of it i as i often say it i treat it like my own therapy session some people pay 60 50 60 euro to a therapist to listen to their rants i just speak into a microphone anyway i hope you've enjoyed uh, this part of the episode i'll be back very soon with uh, part four of the uh, 10-year um, marking of the Forum of Patronage and Pluralism report. Uh, until the next time, see you then. All the best. Bye-bye.